I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Scoopy Radio with Brandon Robinson. Scoopy Radio. What's going on, everybody? Brandon Scoopy Robinson, senior writer at heavy.com. Uh, here with Heavy on Giants online as well as uh, Periscope at Scoop B on Twitter and on YouTube. Uh, welcome all the subscribers and watchers that are here today on Heavy on Live with Scoop B. And we got a special guest. Uh, not only is he a football player, but he's also a producer, David Wilson. Welcome to Heavy Live with Scoop B. Scoop B Radio. For so glad to be here. Yes, yeah, yeah, David. David here with us. Yeah, I appreciate you. You you are definitely um, doing it big. Congratulations um, today! Your far from normal album dropped. How cool is that? Man, it's dope because I dropped a couple projects, and uh, you know, each time I'm I'm getting more inclined and better at it, and uh, giving giving my fans the raw vibe. So, like, I'm in, in my studio right now. It's where I like to chill and kick it and do my do my thing. So everything that I've produced has been done in here. For sure. And and I, I want to give it its due diligence because uh, you became the first NFL player to have 200 kick returns, yards, and 100 rushing yards in the same season. And, and as, I, as I phrase it on Twitter, uh, you're making more history for dropping your new album far from normal. What's more of an adrenaline, adrenaline rush, pardon me, a kick return or releasing an album? So when you got 11 dudes ready to hit you, right? <laughs> Steaming down the field ready to hit you, they like torpedoes. So, uh, you know, that's definitely more of an adrenaline rush. Now, more of an accomplishment and more uh, a proud, uh, you know, it's just me versus a team sport. Sure. Uh, Definitely, definitely releasing my music and doing my albums 
and then getting the feedback from my fans like that they love it and they love and they and they can't wait to the next thing and they just enjoying what I'm doing and having those people listen to me and tune in that keep me going just like the fans in the stands. So what's interesting and and hopefully we get back to the fans in the stands is uh you know COVID has definitely changed the way um that we look oh, at yeah. sports in general. The NBA bubble in, in Orlando, the finals is tonight. We're gonna talk a little bit about that too. But in in football, you, you you don't see the fans in the stands. You're far from normal album. 14 track, no excuse me, 15 track album. And what I noticed from the gate for those who are paying attention, your Instagram and your Twitter account is both four still running. So when you look at the, the title tracks, the 15 yeah. tracks, four brand yoga, four forever, four psych, four midnight moon, four movement. I think guys are getting the hint that every track starts with the number four. Help me, help me understand your thought process. So from football, you, you mentioned I'm a football athlete. I was drafted to the New York Giants out of Virginia Tech. So while I was playing there, I was wearing number four, and that was due to my mom. She was, that's her favorite number. And uh, the reason it stuck with me is because, of course, like main influence was my mom, that being her favorite number, I wanted to represent for my mom while I'm out there on the field. It kind of translates to the 22 with the New York Giants, and I can't wear it a single digit. And Omar Bradshaw at the time had number 44. I rolled with, uh, yeah, I rolled with 22. Two plus two equals four. That was the closest I could get. And basically what the four means in front of my songs is uh, when you listen to my music, I want to trap the listener in and I want them to really hone in and be a part of the uh, vibe with me at the same time while they're enjoying whatever environment they in, whether they're hiking, working out or just riding in the car. I want to trap them in with like a square. So get four sides and they be locked in with me. You, you put a lot of thought process into this, a lot of creativity. I should have known how creative you are because you got these these lights. They're like, what, what, are these strobe lights? What's going on back there? Yeah, there's a couple of different lamps going on. I got a Tiffany lamp in here. I got a couple of lights coming from my music equipment. Uh, just create this whole vibe and this aura, the psychedelic vibe that I, uh, you know, I like to be in when I'm doing this music. Your album. Um, far from normal, as we mentioned, 15 tracks. How long did it actually take you to, to produce the album? Yeah, so basically I can produce a beat right now while we on live. So it only take a few minutes for real. But uh, when you're doing an album, it's a different kind of process because this stuff is going to be out there and released with your name on it. Mm -hmm. uh, potentially forever. So it'll outlast me. So you want to really take your time with it. And I try to be more conscious of what I'm saying in the message that I'm delivering with the lyrics and, and also with the instrumentals that I'm creating, because I don't want to listen to my catalog five years from now, 20 years from now. And I'm listening to it like, what was I saying? And what was that? Like, what was I doing? Mm -hmm. so some of these songs are from uh, some of the songs on this album are from 2018, hmm. like the song for family. Uh, that's when my son was, uh, I only had two sons at the time. Now I got three. So uh, they're all on that track. And it's just like an interlude kind of vibe with them on there. But a lot of these songs are some some of them from uh, two years, 2018, some 2019. Some I made a month ago and put them on the album. So, uh, yeah, 
it can take however long you need it to take until you get the whole uh complete project that you feel comfortable with but if you put me on the spot i can i can definitely make an album in a month i like it so you was it i have not listened to it yet that's one of my uh things on my to do between now and the finals tonight oh yeah uh, between going to the grocery store and just <laughs> i guess my question is is it more r&b infused hip-hop infused gospel infused what, what are we working with yeah so uh, i'm always going for that positive vibe you mentioned gospel i did a gospel out uh mixtape this is my first mixtape right here that i ever released and uh one of my listeners on the live one way to go when I do my live listening party, they can uh, win that. But basically, uh, I kind of transitioned from that because I wanted to relate more to everybody. It's more mm -hmm. in the world than just one genre. So this album really doesn't have a genre. And with this album, it's something on there for everybody. So I got emotional songs. I got turnt songs. You know, I got relaxing songs, meditation type vibes. I even got poems as I do spoken word. And, and poetry. So this album is definitely something everybody can find something on, even if it's just one song. You can find something on there that you like. David, hearing you talk, uh, you, you sound like Edgar Allan Poe meets Kirk Franklin meets Nevermore, <laughs> uh, Nevermore, never the, the Raven, for those who, who missed that reference. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I'm curious, Virginia is for lovers. Um, there's something special in the state of Virginia, you being from Danville, um, Alan Iverson from Hampton, um, you know, Michael Vick, you're, you're a Virginia Tech guy, so that name rings a bell like Sundays at 12 o'clock. Um, you, you look at Pharrell Williams. Um, what is in the water in Virginia? It's a lot of love. There's <laughs> a lot of love in that water. Yeah. You talked about when you were on my podcast, Scoopy Radio, over the summer. Um, one of the things that we talked about was Kanye, uh, yeah. and his, his influences on, on just music and, and at large. How much does he influence you in today's music genre? Do you think he's ahead of the curve? How much does, does he influence you as an artist? Oh, man. Uh just him, just him. There's a lot of artists that do this, but since we're talking about Kanye West, uh, I really appreciate uh, him. He was the first person that I really grabbed hold to and listened to, and uh, him presenting music as an art form. Mm -hmm. Like I said, there's multiple artists, plenty of artists, almost all of them do that. But for him, that kind of related more to me. Uh, you know, him having uh, the first time I heard him was he did Jesus Walks. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was one of the first times where I was like, this is different. This is positive. It's not like just the same old like gang banging, shake your booty kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I like to think of myself as deeper than that. Sure. Uh, it kind of translates in my music. So uh, that's one of the things I can admire about him, uh, you know, is that he can he can bring positivity, but he also can be versatile and relate to everybody. So, uh, you know, I try to be versatile with my music, but at the same time, all my music, uh, I don't think I have any songs. I have songs where I do like have fun in the studio sure. that I keep for myself. That's a little different. But uh, as far as, like I said, what I release in my catalog, when I look at it 20 years from now, I don't want to be saying something that I don't really stand for. 
and I stand for positivity and love and uh, overcoming. So uh, that translates to my music. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this question. So I watched the debate last night. And, uh, oh man! Oh man! <laughs> nothing crazy. It's a, it's an analogy, and then I, I want to bring it on home. But um, President Trump said in his in his debate last night that he brought the NFL back, and so I tweeted his quote, and I put the GIF of Camp Newton sliding down. Did you did you yeah, yeah, yeah. GIF? I didn't see it. I didn't see it. I got. I'm texting you when we get off. But there's like him him sliding down. More specifically, when you look at Cam Newton. Um, and, and what he's doing with the Patriots. Um, he's different. He's always been stylistically different. He's got those dark wing duck hats, them Stetson hats. Yeah. He's just ahead of the curve. From a creative standpoint, uh, what do you think he has to do to win over Patriots fans? He ain't done that already. I feel like uh, I feel like he's come in. He's shown that he's he can win with the team, and he's uh, you know making plays. And it's kind of like we're seeing the Heisman cam, uh, but replacing Tom Brady and stepping in his footsteps. Uh, I think they want to see a few championships, uh, more or less than a couple wins. Uh, but man, he definitely on the path, and it looked like him and that coach and that team definitely have something that they got going. And I hope they can capitalize on it and keep it going. But not before the G-Men get on their victory wins. <laughs> they got to get it on. They got to get this win streak rolling. Well, I, I'm going to ask you one more question about Cam. I'm curious. From your perspective, you, you watch Cam play towards, I guess, maybe the end of your, your football career. When you watched him play on the Panthers, what stood out to you then that still prevailed? Man, anytime I ever seen Cam Newton play on the football field, I just see him as like, uh, you know, this dominant figure who's out there, uh, you know, DNs are running up on him. 300-pound DNs are running up on him, and they're like he's standing in the pocket in the same size as them, so they can tell you and test to how hard it is to get a sack on him. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure they take a lot of pride on bringing him to the ground uh, because he's a force to be reckoned with. And uh, I feel like the Patriots, uh, you know, got a very special player. Uh, and I feel like he's uh, definitely hungry on a different level, just paying attention to his social media. Uh, uh, one quote he said, uh, he's talking to his son. He said, we're going north. <laughs> so when he said that, I knew he was going to definitely turn up this season. So uh, hopefully he can do some special things. I want to see him win and, and succeed and do great. Like I said, I'm all about overcoming the challenges that's put before you. And he definitely got one put before him, as I mentioned, filling the shoes of a legend leaving the city and the fans expecting a lot of him and him coming off of uh, injury and, uh, you know, uh, being treated the way he was by the Panthers organization and the way he felt and expressed that he felt about it. Uh, I don't think that set well with him. So uh, I feel like he definitely uh, – Got a chip on his shoulder. Moving right along, right along. Song I didn't mention. President, debate, what's? Keep it like today we talking about sports. I didn't, I failed to mention when I talked about Virginia, the legendary um, clips as a, as a, as a unit I mentioned. I mentioned Alan Iverson and I mentioned Michael Vick, but 
Um, I did not mention um, some other Virginia, uh, I guess, figureheads. Who were some of the, the I guess, people from Virginia um, that you grew up idolizing from a music perspective or from a sports perspective? Yeah. Man, I can name the list. A lot of people don't know a lot of the list. You're right. Uh, Missy Elliott, Pusha T, Timberland, Chris Brown, Trey Songz. Uh, that's, that's basically like the music side, the biggest ones that I feel like I want to name right now. Um, did I say Pharrell Williams? You did. And then, and then uh, you got, uh, for me, Michael Vick. You got Allen Iverson. You got the Edmonds brothers right now in the NFL mm -hmm. uh, with the Steelers and the Bills. Mm -hmm. And you got uh, Tyrod Taylor. You got D'Angelo Hall. And the list goes on. Uh, Tiki Barber. Thomas Jones. <laughs> what, what was the connection to Tiki Barber like um, when you were a player? By the time you got there, he retired. Did you guys connect instantly because you were from Virginia? Yeah, uh, I just remember being in college and them was saying them saying that I I broke his record for the most consistent uh, hundred yard games. Uh, it was either him or Thomas Jones that had the game in UVA. And I went to Virginia Tech, and, uh, and uh, you know I met him. I met him at the Virginia Tech UVA like ha ha kind of moment. <laughs> yeah, that's a big rivalry in Virginia. For those who don't know, uh, you know the Commonwealth Cup. Mm -hmm. uh, so Virginia Tech looking to take that back. But yeah, he brought me on to his radio show, gave me a little bit of tips uh, just from his perspective. And yeah, uh, we didn't go much further than that, but we we know it's all love. It's always love. Would you like him in the Hall of Fame one day? Yeah, I look at him as one of the top uh, New York Giants running backs. Um, you know, he definitely did a lot there. And uh you know, making the Hall of Fame is like very hard and very prestigious. And mm -hmm. it's an aspiration for a lot of players. So all the players put in that hard work. I know they want to see that reward. You and I talked about Eli Manning being a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, he's a guy that won two champion or two Super Bowls, uh, both against the New England Patriots. Um, what do you remember most about um your deal is with Eli as a leader. Um, Cause I think that his dry personality, um, but his strong words, when he speaks, he listens, um, people can't really place him. But to me, this is something very stoic about him. What do you remember about Eli during your playing days with him? Uh, he was always consistent in the same, but uh, basically when I came in, he was uh, led by example, mm -hmm. he was quiet, uh, and, but professional. And uh, I remember, uh, catching my first pass in practice from him and getting my first handoff from him. And I had to stop myself because I'm in the huddle. And I'm like, I watch this dude win Super Bowls on TV and get the MVP. <laughs> now he's like, you know what I'm saying? And I'm in the huddle with him, this legend, right? So I'm like, that solidified it. Along with other legends on the team that I, while I was there, like Justin Tuck and, uh, you know, O.C. Manure and uh, uh, Amar Bradshaw, Victor Cruz, and I'm in the huddle with these guys, and uh, we're going to war together. And I watched these guys play on Sunday before I made it to that level. 
And that kind of solidified that, yo, all this hard work that I put in all across these years and all these times that I was a little boy practicing, signing my autograph in class and the teacher telling me to pay attention and I'm responding like, you're going to ask for my autograph one day. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, it's just like it all paid off and it all came to truth. Uh, because you know you you set a goal for yourself. A lot of people uh, dream, and they only get the dream. But when you can wake up, and that's your reality, uh, and it's it's because of the hard work you put in, and because you're taking advice the right way, and working hard towards the goal, and finally getting it. Uh, you know, it already was solidified with me that I was there because, of course, I was drafted in the first round. But like actually being in reality, standing in front of like. Uh, future Hall of Famers, and uh, you know them. Them pat me on the helmet, pat me on the back. Good play, man. You a beast. Like you're killing it. And it's like that's kind of solidified a little bit more. It's like the icing on the top. How old were you the first? And where were you the first time somebody asked you for your autograph? I think I was still in school. I think I was in eleventh uh, grade. Uh, these freshmen, these freshman kids at my school, it was like, yo, you gonna be in the NFL? And people used to gaze at me in class was like, yo, you're going to make it, yo. And I'm like, it was so baffling at the time because I'm like, we in the same class at the same school, you can make it too. (laughs) But they kind of just looked at me. You know, some people got certain goals that they want and some people got certain levels that they reach for. Um, But they were just looking at me like, nah, yo, you got something different. You're doing something different. And, uh, you know, in high school, people was asking for my autograph. But about the story, when I was in school, uh, one time my teacher, I used to draw in class. As I mentioned on my Instagram, I'm a man of many talents, uh, creating my own artwork, my album art and artwork as well, etc. And sometimes I would be uh, advanced in the class where I felt like I already got what the teacher talking about. I'm going to ace the test or whatever. So I get distracted and start doing the other stuff. But this particular time I was signing my autograph, practicing, practicing, messing up on the same sheet like 30 times, just trying to get it pretty, right? And wow. she was like, what are you doing? You're not paying attention. So she came back there and balled it up. And was like, what did I tell you about not paying attention in class? So she balled it up. And I said, ah, you you probably want to keep that. I was like, I was like, that's going to be famous. My name, my name on that paper going to be famous. <laughs> and she kept it. She kept it? Yeah, she kept it. She got it. So she asked my autograph again. Uh, after like uh, I'll say maybe like eight years ago she asked my autograph again and she showed me she was like yeah I still remember you was in my class and I'm proud of you how did y'all reconnect did you like come back home and she was still teaching there like what happened yeah the autograph signing back home and she came she came back wow. yeah she came to an autograph signing and got one more autograph that's so that's no story <laughs> You retired from football uh, because of neck injuries. Doctors advise you to kind of um, hang it up. Yeah. For you, first of all, how is your neck? Uh, yeah, day-to-day stuff. Uh, I, I definitely feel like I made the right decision for my future. Uh, and the doctors advised me what they felt best. And I couldn't deny what they showed me on the x-ray. And that's right. why I went ahead and got the surgery. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, they promised that I'll be able to come back stronger and better. My neck will be even stronger. Uh, and it's definitely holding up. But at the same time, I can't do what I was originally uh, my original passion, 
being so young and still able and capable, uh, of course, minus the one injury, uh, you know, I'm definitely thankful that I'm in the position that I'm in as far as my health and as far as being able to play with my sons and be able to run around with them and, you know, on occasion pick them up and just enjoy life that way without, uh, you know, having to push buttons and be in a wheelchair or paralyzed uh, because I wanted to get that one more game in. Because football is a brutal sport and NFL stand for don't, not, not for long. So, uh, you know, at this current time, nobody on the Giants roster is a player that I played with on the team. Eli was the last. What? Is it Eli and Odell? Yeah, I think the long snapper uh, was uh, the last one. Uh, but, yeah, Eli, yeah, he was like the last one. He was the last one holding on. And like I said, I watched him play in high school. Well, yeah, high school or college, yeah, he was there like kind of in. So uh, he had a long career. Uh, but even even if you ask him, he'll probably say how short it felt, how short it feels like he, you know, kind of flew by. Tell me something. Pre-game, what do you remember Eli's choice in music being? I don't remember him listening to music. Really? I don't remember him listening to music. I know Coach Coughlin, we definitely couldn't play it. If we had our headphones on and the music was coming out, he would tell us to turn it down. Okay. Uh, so he didn't even want to hear nothing. He wanted it silent, quiet. He didn't want a bunch of talking, which for me was awkward because for me, I'm trying to get pumped up. And I'm more like, I feel like I play better and I perform better when I'm relaxed and I'm hype and I'm happy. Uh, versus some players, you know, they want to be mad and they want to be in this, like, I'm going to hurt somebody mode. Right. For me, man, yeah. I remember being at Virginia Tech and we came into the new locker room. Uh, they had just built for us, and I was so hyped to see this locker room because it was so dope. And then that game, uh, you know, that's on YouTube where I returned the kickoff return to take the lead with, like, a minute and something left on the clock. Uh and Tyrod Taylor was my teammate, and I told him I was going to get it back. I was going to return that kickback. But I remember, uh, you know, in the Saints game, you know, being being more loose and more happy. Uh, and, you know, I think that lead to big performances uh, and it's different strokes for different folks. But Eli, he didn't really – I don't really remember him listening to uh, music before the game. Uh, every now and then in the locker room, he would dance to uh, Trapped in the Closet. You talking about R. Kelly trapped in the closet? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, so I would play it. I would play it. And we, me, Prince, and Odell, we would act it out in the locker room and other play teammates to get in and try to like act it out with us. And I remember Eli, like, you know, the whole locker room was like vibing one day and Eli was busting moves. <laughs> now I'm trapped in the closet. I'm going to get my mother <laughs> <laughs> that's a throwback that's classic I can listen to that I can listen to that over and over again can he dance no <laughs> <laughs> no no I wouldn't put him in a I wouldn't put him in a okay. you guys serve movie no uh, okay. but but he's entertaining it's entertaining 
No, that's real. Did yeah, we see him on Saturday Night Live. And his brother got a music video, I think. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, we'll get a glimpse of that on the team. When you compare stats, uh, you look at Eli's stats, you look at Donovan McNabb's stats. Um, Eli has two Super Bowls. Donovan does it. When you look at Donovan McNabb, do you still think he qualifies as a first ballot Hall of Famer without the two Super Bowls that Eli Manning has? Man, quarterbacks that I remember growing up is definitely Michael Vick, Donovan McNabb. I feel like both of those people uh, definitely set the bar on a different level as athleticism at the quarterback position. Uh, you know, uh, Cole Pepper, uh, names like that. But yeah, when you have two Super Bowl wins, it kind of like, or one Super Bowl win, it kind of like helps you a lot, especially if you're the MVP. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, as far as comparing it to that, it's kind of hard. But at the same time, Donovan McNabb not making the Hall of Fame uh, will be strange. Mm -hmm. What do in you, my, in my opinion? Sure, I remember, I remember him balling like with West, he had Westbrook at running back and uh, Terrell Owens throwing him all those touchdowns. Uh, so that'll be strange not to see that. Freddie Mitchell was in the mix too. Yeah, <laughs> that fourth and twenty-six. <laughs> yeah, man. Yes, sir. Um, you. Talked about Michael Vick. What was? Do you think that he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, Virginia Tech guy like yourself? Where, where do you put him in that? Most definitely. Is it? Is is it? He what? He got like three more years or some before he can be. Uh, it's about that. Yeah. Yeah. Man, Michael Vick. He was like the Michael Jordan of of quarterbacks, like football, like basically like everybody knew. But whenever you're the best player, they make you the best player on Madden. You got to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. If they make you unbeatable on Madden, you got to be in the Hall of Fame. Like if, you, if I'm playing you in 2K and I say you can't play with LeBron James, this stuff you heard, right? Playing like playing video games. Or like, you, say you, can't, you, can't, you can't use Michael Vick. You cheating. Yeah. Yeah, you got to be in the Hall of Fame. You got to be in the Hall of Fame. I agree. I agree with that. Um, when you look at uh, Odell and you look at what he's doing in Cleveland, him leaving the Giants uh, at large, he was a former teammate of yours. First of all, what was his music of choice when you guys were? Because I think you guys were in training camp. I think you crossed paths but weren't on a roster together. Yeah. Do you remember his choice in music? Oh man, he just loved to dance. I remember uh, him doing the whip, the nene. He actually brought these choreographers around, so like he would like hang out with choreographers. Uh, I don't know if they was uh, like dancing Dan. I don't know if you remember uh, dancing Dan mm -hmm. and people like that uh, on Instagram now. So he introduced me to like some of these people, uh, the people that made the nene. Mm -hmm. like, Created the dance. He had him at the game one time, and they like he was like, "Hey, these are the dudes that created the name." And you like, I'm like, "What up? <laughs> That's great. That's a dope dance. Like y'all niggas went viral. Oh my bad. <laughs> you, you cool? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. uh that's a lot. 
Yeah, that's a, that's a lot. He like he like dancing a lot. Like he like dancing a lot. So uh, I think everybody would agree with that. I think he would agree with that. But uh, can't remember his choice of music. I know he liked Drake. Yeah, that that's. He, I think he's this gen- Drake is this generation's Jay Z. Yeah, I remember Jay Z made a song saying he's gonna pass the torch to him, or Drake see what Drake do with it on the Blueprint Three. Mm-hmm. He, he made a song every day a star is born. So he mentioned J. Cole. He mentioned uh, how Drake is going to do. He predicted him doing what he's Platform. doing now. Platform. Hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Tell me something. You played with Odell. Um, to me in my lifetime and yours, Jerry Rice, Terrell Owens uh, uh, are some of the greatest wide receivers out there. Randy Moss. Um, when it's all said and done and we look back, will we put Odell Beckham in that conversation and what does it take for him to make it to that level? Man, I feel like when rappers are mentioning you in their songs, uh, you probably reached another level of uh, athleticism or athletic achievement. And I think nobody can really deny his talent on the football field. And I feel like for our generation, uh, he definitely inspired a lot of people as far as catching the ball and the way he can, uh, you know, make plays, especially when he was with the New York Giants. Uh, just just that one play alone uh, <laughs> could probably qualify him for a Hall of Fame ballot. So you got him as the first ballot of the Hall of Fame when it's all said and done. Yeah. That's fair. that's fair listen I remember um, the first time that I met you um, was at City Field and you did something with City Kids before and you did a backflip I still have it somewhere in one of my phones you did the backflip with the kids and then you ended up throwing that opening pitch um, at City Field (laughs) yeah on top of the world Um, still are um, and, and during that process over the, you know, the next five years, you know, relationship there, I remember you did something at Clyde Frazier's. You've always been the same. That's something that I've always valued about you. Uh, I want to take it back to City Field, though. Um, you were on that pitcher's mound, and you threw that opening pitch at City Field. You're still smiling about it. <laughs> By any stretch of the imagination, in your mind, did you say, don't throw that damn ball like 50 Cent. <laughs> I didn't know about his until I threw mine. So I threw okay. my pick. I was like, okay, I'm not the only one that went out there. <laughs> <laughs> it did throw the prettiest pitch. Is it hard? I've never thrown a pitch before. Is it, is it like the distance between the mound and the plate? All right, the difference. No, the difference is, the difference is, so I play baseball, right? Okay. I've even been like invited to camp with the Orioles, right? Okay. Seeing that pitch didn't translate, right? And it's like when you when you ask to throw an opening pitch, first Mm -hmm. of all, I wasn't prepared. I didn't know I was throwing the pitch, right? Until I got to the game. And then at the same time, it's like the crowd being there at that level and you're doing something that you're not professional 
or practice every day. Right. Uh, sometimes you can just get caught in the moment. And I think that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, just get caught in the moment. <laughs> sure. Do something that people can remember. And here we are five years later talking about it. It's yeah. more than five years, right? It's probably like. I thought that, that might have been 2014. If it wasn't 2014, it was 2015. No, it was 2012. Yeah, I remember it was 2012. So that's eight oh, years. 2012? It was eight years ago, yeah. Yeah, but that's how, that's how busy I've been. So apologize. Yeah. I said five years. I mean, <laughs> 2012. That's 12 years. Like eight years. Does it feel like eight years to you? Because it feels longer. No, I feel like yeah, it feel like yeah, like I just said, it was five. Like I felt like it was five, but then like you said, time fly. You got to keep up. Got to keep running. Time don't wait for no man. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, we talked about the old Giants days. Um, I'm curious to know from your perspective, what's going on with the Giants now? <laughs> oh man, they got Saquon hurt uh, right now, so that's uh, you know. Devastating for the whole organization and any Giants fan. Uh, and they're not, they'll, they don't have a win yet. They got a new coach. Uh, they had four coaches in the past couple of years. Um, and you still bleed blue, though. Mm-hmm. Still got to bleed blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uniforms look dope. Yeah. <laughs> I got to say something positive. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I, d- I definitely feel like the team has uh, something in the tank, and I just feel like it's all about them putting it all together, eliminate the mistakes on any in any aspect of the game. It's three. It's a three, uh, three aspects to the game, offense, defense, and special teams. And if whoever has the less mistakes in either one of those, uh, in all those categories, got to win the game. Saquon Barkley towards ACL. That's no joke. I tore mine some years ago in a pickup basketball game. Playing in the NFL is even more, you know, strenuous because I can still sit down and write an article. He has to rehab his body because that's what he's making his money doing. Um, How difficult is it for a running back to come back stronger after an ACL injury? Well, me, I never had an ACL uh, injury, uh-uh, thankfully. But uh, just hearing about it, you know, you hear and talk to – I've talked personally with professional athletes and uh, other players that had to deal with this situation, and I know it's something that's not easy, but I know it's something that can be done uh, with the right frame of mind. A lot of it is probably mental. A lot of it is probably uh, discipline. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, looking at Saquon Barkley, I feel like he's mentally strong. He's physically strong. And he has a high discipline because he made it to the highest level mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, of his uh, profession. So um, I definitely see him coming back. And I definitely see him, uh, you know, continuing his career. And just my opinion. Uh, which probably don't mean much because uh, he's his own man and he has to do what he needs to do for him and whatever he's trying to accomplish. But I would just hope that he would, uh, you know, make a full recovery uh, and not rush anything back 
and uh, you know, have to undergo further risk or uh, be presented with uh, more risk versus his health. Uh, because, you know, like I said, NFL stands for not for long. You got life after football, but at the same time, you got to do what you want to do with your life. Uh, and whatever you're trying to accomplish, everybody's not trying to accomplish the same goals. And uh, I heard him before say he got his own goals and he set his own standards and he, uh, you know, he, he got that mindset. So he already has a strong mental. And like I say, he's physically strong. So I see him being able to accomplish what he's trying to do. I spoke to Tiki about uh, uh, Saquon at the beginning of the season, and he talked about taking it to another level. Um, you're talking about, about taking it to another level and taking care of yourself. I, straying away from that because he's injured, I'm curious to know from your perspective, who does he remind you of? When who do you remind me of? Who, who do, what? Say one more time. Who does Saquon Barkley remind you of on the field? Oh, all kinds of players. So, uh, yeah, you see aspects. He's versatile. So he has a versatile, uh, you know, game. And uh, he's been blessed with a lot of talent. So, yeah, you see sparks of different players with him. But at the end of the day, he just say Quan Barkley. That's real. And you kept it simple. You ain't named no names. I'm not going to pressure you. But I am curious to know who does Daniel Jones remind you of on the field? <laughs> I can't think of nobody. Okay. Yeah, I can't think of nobody. What do you like about him on the field? Despite the Giants losing. Because this is his sophomore season. This is the first year of him playing a full season. Last year you saw glimpses of it, but what, what do you like about him on the field overall between last year and this year? Uh, the same thing uh, between last year and this year I like about Daniel Jones is that he can uh, extend plays and he can make it happen with his legs. And, uh, you know, I feel like that's a definitely a threat. So if he can get if he can get in a groove and the team can get in a groove, uh, I see him being able to extend a lot of plays with his legs and create other, uh, you know, other options for the team. To take a quick reset, Heavy Live with Scoop B on all platforms through Heavy.com, uh, Heavy on Giants, uh, as well as on YouTube, Heavy.com's YouTube channel. Uh, make sure that you like and subscribe to those networks, as well as follow me on Twitter, Brandon Scoopy Robinson, at Scoop B on Twitter. Make sure to give my guy, David Wilson, a follow as well on Twitter and Instagram at 4 Still Running. That number four, what I learned today is a tribute to your mother. Your, her favorite number is number four. And David himself uh, has an album uh, that's out that drops today. On all platforms, SoundCloud, iTunes, where can everybody find uh, your project, David? Yeah, so I encourage everybody to follow me, like you said, on, on my Instagram, my social media, my Twitter, at 4 Still Running, the number four, S-T-I-L-L-R-U-N-N-I-N-G. Mm -hmm. And... Um, Basically, I got a website, wilsonstillrunning.com. And if you go there, it's links and icons for whatever platform you like to check out your music. You click on that. But yeah, I got it on Spotify. I got it on SoundCloud, Apple Music, Tidal, uh, YouTube, anything you can think of. If you just type in and search David E. Wilson, don't forget the E. Can't and, uh, you ran track for a little while. Yes, sir. 
was it that you did not qualify or you just really like, cause I remember you were trying to make it to the Olympics. You did qualify, but then at the same time, um, you didn't pursue it anymore. Was it that you just gave sports up and just want to focus on music, your family? What was your thought process? Yeah. So I was, I was training. I made the nationals. Um, but then I, like you said, I uh, kind of dropped back on uh, actually pursuing and then going to the Olympic trials. Uh, just wanted to focus more on my family. I just got married and then found out we was having a baby and I was buying a new house and it was a lot going on. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot going on, and there was a lot on my body from the, uh, you know, injury that I uh, received from football. And uh, so basically, yeah, I ended up focusing on music, focusing on my family, and redirecting my life towards something different. So now I'm uh, dropping music, dropping these positive vibes for everybody that I create myself and compose and produce. I like it. Um we talked about Virginia. Uh, we talked about Pharrell. We talked about Timbaland. If you had to choose the chance to choose between working with one of those people, Pharrell or Timbaland, who would it be? Both. You can't pick both. You have to pick one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I need a song with Pharrell and Timbaland, all of us times three on the same song. Okay. Like yeah, but, uh, back to the track. I was all American. Yeah, I was all American in track at Virginia Tech and uh, Nike Nike uh, national champion twice in high school. So yeah, I definitely keep up with the track and field vibes and the football vibes. I think I totally cut you off, and I th I'm blaming it on the Wi-Fi because you you paused for a second. So I apologize for that. I was trying to make this perfect, but. The track and field stuff, man, I think is 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 um, is a good thing because you think about it, right? Um, if you football is non-contact or football is contact, but track is non-contact, so be able to run and use your speed. The only time you really have contact is if you pass the baton to somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, but it's it's hard on the body training, uh, beating on the track, running, and uh, yeah, you got to stay in top-notch shape. Uh, to endure that, but yeah, definitely, I definitely like track and field. I definitely like, uh, you know, any kind of competition level where I can kind of exceed. Definitely like those. Totally unrelated to sports, music, football. We're going to get into the NBA Finals in a minute. Favorite episode of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air? Uh, when he said. Uh, the intro is classic, but the, my favorite episode and the most iconic episode is the one where he said uh, about his daddy. When his daddy came, and that's when I knew Will Smith was like a different, uh, he wasn't just like a comedian actor. Like, like he, oh, he could really act. Mm -hmm. Like, of course, he can act because he did a whole series, but at the same time, it was like, no, nah, he's like, he took it to a different level right there. Mm -hmm. Like, it gave me goosebumps. So, uh you know, that's when I started paying attention to more of his movies. And, uh, yeah, he's one of my favorite actors. Classic uh, television show. Um, and the Los Fresh Angeles Lakers. For you, though, Fresh Prince or Martin? For me? Yeah. So growing up, my mom and my stepdad would not allow me to watch Martin. Dang, that's crazy. They wouldn't let me watch Martin, and they wouldn't let me watch Living Single. So, like, when they would be watching it, 
If they would have had a room door closed, I would put my ear in the door and be listening. <laughs> but and 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 they were like that. Remember Comic View? They used to come on BET. Oh yeah, I, that used to happen to me. Now I used to have to leave the room for Comic View. <laughs> I used to hate that, but I still would listen. And I go, I go to school and repeat some of the jokes. And get in trouble, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and it's funny because when I hear those stories, or when I tell those stories about not being able to listen to this and doing it anyway, it reminds me of hearing my parents and my parents' friends talk about the Richard Pryor uh, albums. Because remember, their comedy specials used to be on albums and how people would be listening, they would be sneaking and listening to them when their parents would go to sleep. Yeah. So that that's 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 interesting. In answer to your question, though, um, I like Fresh Prince um, because I, I I relate to him a lot. I had an uncle like Uncle Phil. Um, at, at one point, I did come from a single parent household, um, and then my mom married my stepdad. But at the same time, um, I went to prep school. So for me, I understood. I understood. I think Fresh Prince was ahead of its time as a black man because of code switching. Yeah. So I understood Will in the sense of he had to handle his, his handle in different aspects in life. That's what I appreciate it. As it relates to Martin, though, I watched Martin in college and grad school. And I watched Friends and Seinfeld. I just didn't have an interest in Seinfeld as a kid. But as an adult, having roommates, working your way up, different jobs, I related to Martin, Seinfeld, and Friends in the same way. I don't think yeah. I would have had an appreciation for it as a kid. Yeah. All right. I can respect that. Yeah. What about like you? It matters too, though. But yeah, I'm going to have to roll with Martin. I like Martin. I think Martin and Jamie Foxx show are similar, and it's an acquired set of humor that some people just won't appreciate. Yeah. With Martin, it was the characters. It was all the characters that he pulled out the bag. Mm-hmm. Like the skits, like uh, man, every episode, every episode hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so hit. Agreed. Timeless. Timeless shows that still hold relevance today. I'm going to go into my bag and transition perfectly at the 48 minute and 32 second mark. The Los Angeles Lakers are a timeless basketball organization, just like the New York Giants. Yeah. Lakers in six? Yeah, I feel like I feel like they want to get I feel like they want to give them six because they want to get that uh you know that check. They, they beat them too early, they'll get the playoff check. So I feel like the Lakers are so dominant in this tournament right here that we're about to see that mm-hmm. they can get like one or two games like just for the check. Huh. huh. There's no chance that the Heat beat the Lakers. No, not no, no. I I don't see that happening. Uh it's a chance. Anything can happen. I'm not I'm not that person. But just like for my opinion, like right now. Sure. Sure. I don't see the same team. Man, the Lakers got everybody on the team. They got Dwight Howard, they got LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Rondo. Man, they got players like that would go to another team that's sitting on the bench. If they went to another team, they'd be like a superstar. JaVale McGee, they got uh <laughs> man, they got everybody on their team. 
They got everybody on their team. But do you remember when everybody was saying if they lose, it's just like I don't know what they was doing. Do you remember when everybody was writing off the Lakers and was saying that the Clippers were better? Do you notice how now all of a sudden what you just said, I've said it throughout the course of the season, but how other pundits are now validating the Lakers in the same way you just did. When you talked about Dwight Howard and you talked about LeBron James and you talked about J.R. Smith, well, you didn't talk about J.R. Smith, but J.R. Smith, just their roster at large. Yeah, and everybody made it yeah. seem like they were the rejects or the or the or or just they wasn't they wasn't spit. Now all of a sudden there's somebody. What happened? Well, I ain't pay attention. I won't never pay attention to basketball too hard until the playoffs. Okay. Start closer to the finals. So yeah, for me picking up where I picked up. When I saw it, they were just dominating. They were just dominating the whole thing. Um, I'll make a basketball, football analogy question. I was reading the other day. Uh, some announcer said, I can't remember who it was. They said that Cam Newton was the pow was a power forward playing quarterback. Do you who who is the NFL equivalent? Skill wise, height wise, side wise, size wise, um, of LeBron James in the NFL. I don't know. I don't know. That's hard to say because I feel like LeBron James could come to the NFL and be LeBron James in the NFL. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so. Uh, I'll say if I saw, I saw. That's a hard question. That's a hard question because it's two different skill sets for real, for real. Okay. Yeah. Being an NFL player, what it take to be on the field. Uh, I don't really see that many basketball players being able to do that. Huh. And vice versa. So when I went to Hofstra for grad school, we used to do open gym and I was in grad school, but I, it was the, everybody was there, undergrad, football player, just everybody and their mom and their mama's mama was just the place to kick it. You had Hofstra, this was in Hofstra had football. You had football players playing basketball. I hated that sugar honey iced tea because they just be hacking. Are there any football players that could make that transition to the NBA seamlessly? Not seamlessly. I don't think that many of them make it seamlessly. I feel like a lot of them feel like they can. Okay. When they get out there with real, like, skill-setted basketball players. That's, like, that's all they've been doing is playing basketball. Uh, and, like I said, the same thing with football. Like, we see clips of, like, LeBron James in high school or yeah. Allen Iverson, like, in high school or uh, uh, Draymond Green playing in college. But it's a different level. So I like to explain it to people like this. When you get to a professional level or something, mm -hmm. there's no more mama sense. And what I mean by that, like in high school, you have mama sense out there, like people that's on the football field because their mama or somebody told them, like, man, you need to get out there and do something. You need to be active in the school, put something on your resume or something, right? So you need to be out there. Or if you're you big, you big, man, you need to be on the football team. And they get out there. These people don't really want to be out there. They just out there because their mama told them. Then you get to college and you got that trickles down a little bit more because it takes a little bit more skill set to get on that level. 
But at the same time, some people just make it into college because the mama sent them out there and then they got a scholarship and now it's like a free education. You better take that. But when you get to the NFL or the NBA, now you're dealing with real, real dogs. And these are the people that really will die for this or ride for this because this is what they probably set out to do when they was like eight, nine years old. And that's all they've been dreaming of since then. And their mama didn't have to tell them to get their cliques and get in the car. They probably was running to practice and telling their mama, like, hurry up, get me to practice, I'm going to be late, or, like, doing whatever they can to make it. So, yeah, mama sense versus uh, homegrown. <laughs> it's two different things. LL Cool J said mama said knock you out. David Wilson says mama sense. <laughs> Looking at the Facebook comments um, in the chat, it, it, it says uh, Cody Dunbar uh, shouts out David Wilson. He says, yo, I miss you, my guy, former Giants player 22. How is your health, David Wilson? How is your neck? You answered those questions. Robert Manos Ross said, we need Wilson back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's dope. That's dope. I wish I could come back. I definitely suit up, but, uh, you know. Things got to play their course different ways. And uh, yeah, I wish I could. Yeah, Troy is in the comments. He said, what's up, Wilson? So yeah, tell him what up. You got, you, you got your supporters there. When I hear Wilson, I think of home improvement, the guy over the, uh, over the, <laughs> over the fence. Yeah, yeah. I think about Dennis the Menace. Mr. Wilson. They used to play that at the Giants Stadium. Uh, Did that? Yeah, they used to play that. Like, you know how they play the salsa music for Victor Cruz? Yeah. They used to, some DJ or whoever was in charge was doing that with me when I was playing. I like that. You got you got a lot of cast of characters. Odell Beckham, David Wilson. Uh, yeah. All those Giants guys have gone on to be personalities, music. Figureheads and more, man. I, I want to appreciate. I want to say thank you so much for uh, giving me your time, your album. I promise that I will listen to it today, and I will text you a critique. All right, man. And um, you're one of a kind, man. Thank you for your time. Thanks. And who was those uh, people you shouted Scoop out in the comments? Radio. You got Troy. Troy. Robert Manos Ross. Robert. All right. Cody Dunbar. And Cody. There you go. Shout out to them. All of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lakers and six. Lakers and six. There you go. That's what you got. That's who I got. That's what you got. Bet. No, no, no cap. That's what I have. All right, then. Yes, you got six. 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 <laughs> I, I, I think that this series is going to be a little different than um. This series is going to be a little different than the previous first round, second round conference finals. They did it in five each time, five, five, five. I think this one's going to be six. Yeah. Did you see the Kobe and LeBron James analogy? Yes. About the yes. winning. Yeah. That's crazy, right? It's crazy. But you know what? I've been saying this on different shows. Um, I was with the Lakers the day before Kobe passed in Philadelphia. And in oh, that locker room. LeBron yells after that game, yo, 
Nobody's going home tonight. We go home tomorrow. If you remember, they won that East Coast road trip. So they had played like the Celtics, they played the Nets, the Knicks, and then they went to Philly and LeBron broke, you know, Kobe's record that night. And the thing that sits with me often is this. That was around midnight. We were still in the locker room. I wonder if LeBron did not tell that team, yo, we're going home tonight. And they flew home that night. Would LeBron have slept in and never had that final conversation with Kobe? Dang. It's crazy. Is it like that? Like that next morning, he passed away. That's crazy. That's crazy how stuff work out. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder is it like the mind, though? Like we put it together after, like we realize that it's something. You look at it harder and you can put like stuff together and make it seem Scoop like more. Radio. Uh, versus like if nothing didn't happen that night or nothing happened that month. Mm -hmm. I probably would like. You know what I'm saying? Draw those lines together. But then when something do happen, it's crazy how you can like, like 9-11. And then like all the things you see 9-11 on and all the references to it and everything. But I wonder if 9-11 was uh, still standing, would people still have those like, that reference to it? Like, oh, that was, that's what that was talking about. When I look at COVID, I think of it that way. Because I think that with people being home, and figuring out what's next and wearing masks. I think when COVID first happened, it felt like the 9-11 feel of everybody being, or trying to be kind and everybody um, checking on other people, you know, because certain people's finances weren't in order. Some people couldn't go to work, some people got sick. Just figuring out all those different things. It felt like 9-11 when we had family in the metropolitan area or people were calling you from out of town or, you know, when, 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 you know, just, just various things. It felt like you have something to reference it to now versus then. Yeah. It's crazy. This pandemic, pandemic movies. I've been watching the pandemic movies with the zombies. Oh <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. I'm gonna let you get out of here. My brother. And I appreciate you having me on the show. It's and everybody go check out that Far From Normal. The album is hard. Yes, sir. I'll let you. Peace out. And this is Scooby Radio saying, you bring the coffee and I'll bring the Dunkin'. Kaboom! Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. 
Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.